All right. Amen. 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 Well, um, without further ado, I want to get into the message today. I think I've said that times now, but, you know, it's whatever. Uh, gosh, words are hard. Uh, anyway, so I have been um, at camp all along and been surrounded by the presence of God and good Christian people all week long. And you would think after that environment, it would be easy to prepare for a sermon. It would be like, man, it would just like flow out of you. You'd think it would just like flow out of you. Uh, but this has actually been one of the, the harder sermons to ever prepare for, um, for a lot of reasons. But I've been contemplating some, some, some questions. I've been, been thinking about a lot of questions lately as a today. And so, with that, I want to read some scriptures, and then we're going to pray. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Mark chapter 9. If you're really quick at opening up there, you can get there real quick. Um, if not, I'm going to be reading it, and it's going to be on the screen, and so uh, you can just look there. Starting at verse 14, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. I'll give some people a little time if they're trying to get there. Okay. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd uh, spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to, uh, so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they could not do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy... But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why could we not cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I also want to read out of Luke chapter 18, another story that Jesus tells. One day Jesus told his disciples uh, a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. This is Luke 18, 1 through 8. Uh, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just uh, decision in the end. 
So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who will cry out for him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant, ju- grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Thank you. God, I thank you so much that you take the foolishness of preaching and you make something out of it. God, you make our mess into a message. Lord, I pray that today the words I speak uh, Lord, would go into the people's ears, God, and that you would make it into something great. Lord, that people would, that, God, that we would, that we would open our hearts to you and the work that you may have for us to do in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And so I, I love how the Holy Spirit works because I was not, I, I did not know what the song was going to be this morning. I did not know what, you know, any of, any of the prior events that were going to happen. I didn't know that the Holy Spirit was going to speak to uh, us in the way the Holy Spirit spoke to us through Jesse in the worship service. I did not know any of that was going to happen, yet it goes right in line with what I'm going to be preaching to you today. We sang a song in the beginning, Unstoppable God. You know, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. Jesus says in there in Mark chapter 93 uh, that anything is possible if a person, anything is possible if you believe. So I just, that's just a quick note I had to make. I love how the Holy Spirit does that. I love how, how God orchestrates these kinds of things. But I've been having some questions. I've been having some questions in my mind. And I've, I was talking to a good friend, Colby Lewis. Some of you might know who that is, over some Mexican food yesterday. Uh, actually, no, that was Friday. Gosh, that seems like, it seems like it was forever ago. It was over uh, some Mexican food. And um, I, asked him, I asked him a question. I said, Colby... I, Colby, Colby's a, a man of few words, but when Colby speaks, I listen. And if you're listening, if you're watching this, Colby, I love you. But uh, when he speaks, I listen because Colby Truth says, uh, Colby Truth, Colby Lewis says nothing but the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help him God. But when he speaks, I listen. And so I said, Colby, I said, do increased efforts in prayer and fasting lead to increased increased results or increased changes in reality? And he said, yes, I believe so, but I can't tell you how it works. And I agree. I agree that's the same thing. And that's what I want to talk about today. Jesus says in Mark chapter 9, 29, he said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. And so the questions that have been on my mind, I mean, I can't sleep because I'm thinking about it, are why do we pray? Why do we pray? I'm going to read these slowly, these questions. I'm going to read them slowly. And I don't want anybody to answer. I just want you to think about your answer in your head, okay? Why do we pray? Why do you pray? Do you pray? What is prayer? What is faith? Does prayer change things? Does prayer change anything? Does it change you? Does prayer change situations? And lastly, the question that I started with, does increased efforts in prayer and fasting lead to changes in the world around us? 
See, these are the questions that have been on my mind. The questions I feel like God has been stirring in my spirit. And then I also felt like, I also felt like, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but honestly, my notes are a joke anyways. I felt like God spoke to me as I was preparing for this message. I felt like God spoke to me. And, and I feel like I really, I don't say this often because I don't want to be crazy charismatic. I, I do feel like God told me to tell somebody here today, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith. So all of that's been swirling through my head, and I'm like, God, what do you want me to say to your people this morning? What do you want me to say in this sermon? Why do we pray? Well, simply put, we pray because we were meant to be connected to God. We were meant to be connected to God. You see, the world wants to wants to. As a Christian, I believe, in my worldview, the way I see the world, I believe that, that we live in a God-saturated world, that everything has God's fingerprints all over it. And so the world wants to divide us away from God, but I'm saying, no, I, I want to be connected to God. I want to see God in every single thing I do. And so because I want to see God in every single thing I do, that's why I pray, because prayer is, is my connection to God. It, it's the life force of God. And so that goes to the second question, what is prayer? Prayer, prayer is my connection to God. Uh, uh, Sally and her father are very, very good at planting things, right? Planting flowers, beautiful, beautiful flowers. And if you didn't know this, you should ask them for, like, see some pictures sometime or something. They're really, really beautiful, really pretty. But they know, along with every single one of us here, that if you were to plant a, a flower, it doesn't matter how great and beautiful this flower is, if you were to plant it in terrible soil, it would have a very, very hard time growing, right? If you were to plant crops in very terrible soil you wouldn't get any good crops, right? What kind of soil are you planted into? What kind of soil are you planted into into your life? Prayer is whenever we say, God, okay, here's my roots. I'm digging my roots into you. I'm, I'm planting myself into you. You are the good soil, Lord. You are the, the, the fertile soil. I'm planting into you. And whenever we plant into God, then we have, we have power. We have life force. We have a power that's not of our own. Earlier this week at camp, we talked about uh, the, the theme was making it mine, making faith your own. These teenagers, we were telling these teenagers, hey, don't just rely on your grandma or your grandpa to be a Christian, but you be a Christian. Take for your own. Take hold of your faith as your own. But what we told them repeatedly is that in order to make faith your own, in order to live a life as a Christian on your own, it can't be by your strength. You know, the, the word says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And so when we pray, we're saying, God, I can't do it on my own. I need a strength. I need a power that is, that is not of me, that comes from, comes from above. I need this strength from above to fill me to fill me, to strengthen me, to do what I've been called to do. That's what prayer is. And so we know that when we come to God in prayer, we're, we're, we, we can gain a strength that is not of our own. We can, we can gain something that's not of our own. So then faith. faith is trusting in that soil. Faith is trusting in that soil. Abraham had faith, the father of faith, is what the Bible tells us, right? Abraham, father of faith. And Abraham never had the 12 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God, right? Abraham never had, uh, Abraham did not even have a Bible. Abraham did not have uh, a, a set religious beliefs or anything. Abraham had faith in God, though, because he recognized 
He recognized that, that, that this is God. And I can anchor myself to God. And I can anchor myself to God. And I know that where God is taking me is going to be good. I know where God is taking me. It's going to be a good place. And so what is faith? Trusting in that soil. It's trusting in that process. It's trusting in God. And it's going in our prayer life and saying, God, I trust you with everything that I have. Okay, moving along. Does prayer change things? Yes. Does it change you? Yes. As you attach your soul to God, as you pray more, as you get more in the presence of God, you are changed to be more like God. This morning I was looking at some statistics. I wish I would have gotten them up on the screen, but you can look them up at uh, pewforum.com, P-E-W forum.org, uh, not, .com, not com.org. And it was all about prayer. It was all about prayer in the relationship that prayer has to uh, the believer and, and the lifestyle that they live. And it was crazy on there that the, of the people that, that they prayed every day, those same people were the same kind of people that went to church every single week. The same people who pray every day are the same people who go to church every single week. The same people who pray every day are the same kind of people who are more likely to adhere to the teachings of Christ. They're more likely to adhere to what Jesus has told us to do. People who pray every day are more likely to love their neighbor. People who pray every day are more likely to uh, give to the poor. People who pray every day are more likely to, um, to think of any other teaching of Jesus, to give food to the hungry. All these things, right? People who pray are more likely to do the things that Jesus called them to do. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that that is just something that happens. I think that when we pray, when we attach ourselves to this God that is mighty and wonderful, whenever we attach ourselves to him through prayer, we, we, we can't help but getting a little bit of God rubbed off on us. Whenever we attach ourselves to God, God rubs off on us and we become more like him. We become more like the Lord that we serve. And so when pray, it's not just sending petitions, it's not just, it's not just saying, God, here's what I want, but it's saying, God, I want to be more like you. So does prayer change you? Yes. Prayer changes you. It forms your soul to the will of God. It makes you to be more like him. It makes you to be more like him. So everything I've set up to this point is just set up, just fluff. It's just what preachers do, right? I want to get to the meat of what I'm trying to talk about today. Does prayer change situations? Does prayer change things? Is there a reason for us to come down here every single Sunday to the altar and pray? Is there a reason for us to come before God and bring our petitions? Is there a reason for us to bring these things to God? Does prayer change anything? Let me tell you that in my life, one of the ways that the devil gets into my life is through a spirit. It's through a skepticism. And sometimes in my weak moments, I will doubt. I will be like the man in the story where he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I will begin to question, God, are you, do you really answer prayers? God, do you really hear the cries of your people? God, do you really answer these things? Jesus here he tells us two stories that we already read so far. One of them actually happened, and one of them is a parable. One of them is... Chris is coming my way. Oh, okay. Got to go back to the old... Old school. Sorry. 
standby for technical difficulties. All right, we're back. Okay, anyways, anyways, so Jesus today, in, this, in, 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 the, in the readings that we read today out of the gospel, Jesus, there's two stories, right? One of them is something that actually happened, and then another story is a, a parable, a story that Jesus tells to illustrate a point. The first one, uh, we, we see that there's, there's, this, there's this particular young boy who has been having seizures for his whole life. His whole life he's been having seizures, some sort of medical condition, uh, we, can, we can assume. Uh, that's been brought on, though, he's, he's possessed by an evil spirit. So this medical condition is not just normal medical condition. He's been possessed by a demon, by an evil spirit of some sort, right? So he's been possessed, and this has been happening his whole life. He's been into convulsions, seizures. It's been a crazy medical uh, emergency, right? And, and Jesus comes along, and, and basically they're like, Jesus, if you think you can do it, could you heal this guy? And he's like, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible for if someone if they believe. Jesus has tremendous faith. Jesus knows. And it even kind of rubs him the wrong way that these people have no faith in God. They have no faith in the hand of God to do anything. He says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. He, it even rubs Jesus the wrong way that they have abandoned their faith. Remember what I told you earlier today, what I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me to tell you is do not lose your faith. These people had lost their faith. They had lost their confidence, their trust in God to do what God says he would do, right? And so they didn't have faith. They didn't, they didn't believe that Jesus could do it. They're kind of like, well, Lord, help, help my unbelief, right? He halfway believed, halfway didn't believe. But then obviously we know how it goes, right? Jesus comes up and he heals the boy. Jesus heals the boy. And, and, and the disciples are like, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? Jesus said, this, forth only this only comes forth by prayer and by fasting. And then the other story, right? The, the parable of the unjust judge or the persistent widow, whichever way you look at it. There's a story of a, a woman, an older widow, who is wronged. She is wronged in some way, shape, or form. We're not told what that is, but she is wronged. And she goes to the judge and she wants justice. She wants the verdict to be turned in her direction. And she's very, very upset about this. And the judge, he's an unjust judge. He, cares, he fears neither God nor cares about people. It's what the Bible tells us. He, he, he does not care about God or anybody else. And so he's like a bad dude and he doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't want to give her the right verdict. But he says, she's driving me so crazy. She's pestering me so much. She's pestering me day and night. And so I'm going to give her what she wants so she'll get off my back. And Jesus says, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even in the end, he rendered the decision. He rendered justice to this woman. And Jesus says, this is, this is the good line here. He says, so don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? There's a lot here. There's a lot here in these two stories, a lot here in these two parables. But what I want to say as it pertains to these two is that it is very, very clear, very clear that Jesus taught, and I want to believe the things that Jesus said, right? Whatever Jesus said, I believe it because I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian, right? Christ, Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus. And so what Jesus said, I want to believe it. And it's very, very clear to me that here in these passages, Jesus believed 
That prayer changes things. Jesus believed that prayer was not just a religious duty that you come to and that you just do it just because. Jesus believed that when we pray, there's a shift in, in, in the, you could say there's a shift in the heavenly atmosphere. That when we pray, God hears things and that there is movement, that there's something that happens, that somehow in God's omniscience, he hears our prayers and our prayers are a partnership with him in his will. Whenever we come to God in prayer, we're, we're coming to him and God hears us. And Jesus understood that God hears us. In here in the scripture, whenever Jesus is praying for uh, the, the little boy, let me find it real quick. Excuse me, sorry. No, never mind. I, I thought that he said something else. But no, Jesus says in other places with Lazarus, he says, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me praying. And we know, guys, that when we pray, that God in heaven hears us. And that when we pray, our prayers are not just hitting this popcorn ceiling. But our prayers are going beyond the ceiling. They're going beyond this building. And God hears us. God hears our prayers. And just like the unjust judge, the, the, the story of the unjust judge, not like the unjust judge. God is not like the unjust judge. And that is the, that's the paradox of the parable, right? Is that God is the complete opposite of that. That God will give us justice and that we hear him. Of course, we know that not everything we pray for comes to pass. Anybody who's lived life long enough knows that. We know that things that we pray for, for some reason, things don't happen, right? For some reason, people aren't healed. For some reason, people aren't uh, cured of their diseases. For some reason, people aren't, uh, that things don't turn out the way that we want, right? But if, but if, but if it was all about what we want, then it wouldn't, we wouldn't be praying to God. We'd be praying to ourselves, right? We're praying to God because it's, it's about his will. First John 5, 14 says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, this is why it's so important that when we pray, we pray a prayer that is structured like the Lord's Prayer. I had a class earlier this week with the campers, the guide campers, and taught them this. That when you look at the Lord's Prayer, the way that it's structured, it is a prayer that's structured in humility. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, God, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Holy, set apart, there is none like you. Right, So right off the bat, we are establishing the order of things. Right off the bat, we're establishing that God is above all. And we, we are putting ourselves under him in humility. And so we put ourselves under him in humility. Then we come to him and ask uh, for our requests. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So this message has been absolutely terrible so far. But the point of my message is that we cannot and we must not lose our faith. We cannot and we must not lose our faith. Let me say it one more time, just to get it in your bones. We cannot and we must not lose our faith. The world we live in is full of cynics. It's full of skeptics. It's full of people that will question and, and try, to, try to nitpick and try to destroy everything about faith. But, but with faith, it really does take an element of trust. It really does take an element of trusting in God. It really does take an element of stepping forth and trusting that God will be God and that God will do what God, uh, what God says he's going to do. So what do we do then? 
in response to all, everything I've said today. What do we do? What do we do with, with faith? What do we do with this idea of that we should pray more? I feel like in, in, in our faith, in my faith, in, in, in everybody's faith, whenever we, whenever we go to pray, I prayed this this morning whenever I was praying with Amy. I just, I just feel like, guys, I just feel like so, so many of us, we pray, we pray prayers that are very safe. I've said this before. I've said this before in other sermons, but I feel like I should say it again today. We pray prayers that are very safe because they're easy for God to answer, right? They're, they're easy for us to count it as an answered prayer whenever we pray safely. We pray things like, like rather than praying for what we really want, which is what we, what we really want is a miracle. We really want healing. We really want God to do something amazing. We really want God to do something miraculous, right? We want God to do these things that it says in the Bible that he's done, right? These things that it says in the book of Acts that he's done. God, we, we want God to do those things. And so we pray for those things to happen. But a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just pray and we'll ask for something like safe and something easy for God to answer. Like, God, I pray that you just give him strength. Like, God, or I pray that you'll, like, God, I pray that you'll just give them some power. God, or I pray that you'll be with them, that your spirit will be with them. Well, yeah, his spirit is always with them. Like, yeah, he's always with them. And yeah, he's giving them strength. But how is that prayer request any different than what God is already doing? We're asking God to do something that is outside of what is currently happening. Once again, we're asking God to do things. So does prayer change things? Does prayer change reality? Does prayer move the hand of God is what you could say. Does it? I think so but I don't know how. And I don't know how it works. And I'm, I'm treading very carefully here. And this message has been very bad today because I don't know how to say this in an articulate, eloquent way because it's very hard and I'm stepping on some stones here because what happens is when things don't happen, people will blame themselves and say like, I don't have enough faith then. We have people who have been trapped in the word of faith movement. And so if someone dies, then they blame themselves and, and they're like, man, I must be a bad Christian. And I don't want anybody to think that today, but what I do want people to walk away thinking today is that when we pray, there is power behind it when we pray there is there is substance behind it when we pray there's meat behind it when we pray there is something behind it and so many people don't pray because they don't believe there's something behind it so many people don't pray because they don't believe that it leads to results people so many people don't pray they don't lift up their needs to God because they don't believe that God cares and they don't believe that God can do anything about it but I'm here to tell you this morning that God does care and God does want to do something about it and God does want to intervene in your situation the Bible tells us in 2nd Peter 5 7 that we are to cast our anxiety on the Lord for he cares for us and so God cares about you every single situation every single thing that you've gone through we sang about this morning the overwhelming love of God God doesn't just love you enough to save you God loves you enough to care about every circumstance every situation every little headache every little thing that you're going through every part of your day God cares about each and every bit of it but a lot of times we don't bring it to him because we don't think that he does we don't think he cares or we don't think that he could do anything about it or that he will do anything about it but God does care and God does love you and God does answer prayer. He does. Do not lose your faith. Do not lose your faith. As I was preparing for this message today, I really felt that this message was for people who have closed the door on situations. And here's what I mean by that. There are things in our life that we begin to pray for. We begin to pray for a relative, right? So-and-so is back on drugs. And I just really, I really want to pray for them, right? And, and, and so we start to pray. We start to pray. But nothing happens, right? Nothing changes. Nothing changes in that situation. 
And so, you know, we, we continue to pray for him, but maybe just like a little bit off and on. Maybe like every other, every other week or so we'll pray for him, right? And then, but then, but then nothing happens, nothing happens. And then eventually we just write them off, right? We write them off and we say, well, God must not, it just, it's just not meant to be, right? It's just not meant to be for God to work in their life. It's just not meant to be for that situation to come out. It, it, you can apply it to any situation that you want to, right? There are things in our past that there are things that we have closed the door on that I'm here to say this morning that God has not closed the door on. How do you know God has closed the door on it? How do you know that God does not want to bring that to fruition? How do you know that God does not want to heal that relationship or that marriage? How do you know that God doesn't want to, uh, doesn't want to open the door back up for healing in somebody's life? How do you know that God doesn't want to do the impossible. And by you limiting God, I wonder how many, I wonder how many times we, we limit God. We, we put a box on what God can do. Do not lose your faith. Do not lose your faith. You notice how Jesus, Jesus says, you faithless people. He, he kind of rebukes them. He rebukes them for not having faith. But then the man says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus doesn't rebuke him for that. Jesus doesn't rebuke him for being honest with him. In fact, the next thing Jesus does is he heals the boy. And so a lot of times it's when we bring our faith, it's when we bring our hurts, it's when we bring our doubts to God, that's whenever things really happen. Whenever we will bring the things inside of us that we have held back for a very, very long time when we begin to bring those things to God, that is whenever things really happen. And so, I wanna be very specific this morning. I wanna call out some things because, uh, you, know, you know, in the Bible, whenever they, call, they called out the demon by name, you know, they're, they're, they're a legion, right? It, it, names, it gives the name of the demon, right? It gives the name of the demon. And this morning, I wanna name some things. I wanna name some things that we might have shut the door on that I think that, that we, we shouldn't. I already named a few. Marriages, right? So many people in their relationships, so many people in their marriages, in their relationships with their husband and their wife, they, they, they settle and they, and I'm not married, obviously, but, so I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking from a place of experience, but I'm, I am speaking of a place of my parents were divorced. So I, I've seen it firsthand happen, right? This is the way that, it's, that people, people will say things like, this is just how it is. I can't stand them. You know, I, I, this is just how it is. And I, you know, they just get on my nerves and, and just like all this stuff that happens. There's so, many, so much bitterness, so much infighting within the relationship. And what happens is eventually, like we'll start to pray for those things, right? We'll, like I've, I've been through it. I've sat through it. I've, I've been through where, um, you know, man, I really shouldn't be sharing this, but uh, you know, the, the, get the DVDs, you know, where they're trying to, get, trying to do the Bible studies together, trying to, trying to do some sort of healing, trying to do some sort of marriage counseling or whatever, you know, but then, but then things don't get any better, you know, and then there's down the line and, and people begin to, they begin to fight even a little bit more and, and then eventually it just begins to crumble to nothingness. And what happens is somewhere along the way, people lose their faith. Somewhere along the way, they, they lose the belief that God can do anything. They lose the belief that God can heal that marriage. They lose the belief that God can restore what was broken, right? This is the same thing that happens with, with, with um, healing, right? With anybody that's sick, anybody that's hurting, anybody that's dying, right? 
they, they're, they're going along, and the first they get the diagnosis, and everybody's fired up, and everybody's praying for them. Everybody's praying for them. Everybody's praying for them. We're praying for healing. We're praying for God to do something awesome, right? But then whenever things begin to go south, whenever things begin to go bad, we begin to lose faith. We begin to, we begin to doubt, you know, God, what are you, you know, what's going on here? God, what, what's the situation here? Right? And then as things get closer and closer to death, we, we begin to lose faith. We begin to lose faith. We begin to lose faith. Personal life, right? We begin to think like, man, I feel like I, feel like I could really make something out of my life. I really feel like I could really be something. I feel like I could really do something awesome for God. But then what happens is, you know, and we get fired up, like, like we just went to camp, right? And so people go to camp and, or they go to a camp meeting or they go to some revival or something like that. And they get really on fire for God, whatever that means. But that's, that's what happens, right? They get very excited about the Lord. And when they get very excited about the Lord, they have dreams and visions about all these things that they could do for God. They could do these amazing things for God, but then they stumble into sin. And when they stumble into sin, they begin to doubt. Did God really say that about me? Did God really call me to do that? Did God really call me to be that person? And whenever they, whenever they begin to doubt those things, and the trail goes down a little bit more, then they may, might sin a little bit more. And then if they sin a little bit more, then they begin to get doubt completely about who they are in God. And then eventually they walk completely away from their identity in Christ. Do not lose your faith. Do not lose your faith. Your faith is your trust in God. Your trust that God can do what God says he can do, Right? Because I believe, I believe that God can do amazing things. And I believe, furthermore, I believe God does amazing things. I don't just believe that he can, I believe that he does. I don't just believe that God has the ability to, because if God has the ability to, but does not do it, then that would be pretty pointless, right? That would be, be pretty pointless. That, you know, it'd be like if you had, if you had like a, f- a giant fire hose, you know, and there's a house burning down, you know, and, and uh, like, you know, you, you didn't spray it down, you know, that'd be kind of pointless. It's like, why do you have the fire hose? If, if, you know, I believe not just that God can do amazing things, but that God does amazing things, that God does move in amazing and miraculous ways. I believe it. And when we read throughout the scripture, you read all these amazing stories, right? We read these amazing stories, and I can't help but believe that when, they, when these amazing things happen, it's because men and women of God took the faith. They took, took that step of faith. You know, what if, what if in the Daniel, or Dan, I was thinking about this, what about the Daniel? What, what if in the Daniel and the lion's den, what if Daniel was just like, okay, God, I just, God, I pray for strength. God, I just pray that you just be with me. God, I just pray that I just pray that, God, that you know, your spirit would just be like all around me. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean I'm, being, I'm being facetious right now. But seriously, seriously, what if, what if like, oftentimes what I'm trying to say is that we, we pray these really safe prayers. No, Daniel said, God, save me, save me. Keep the lion's mouth shut. You know, or what about the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were thrown into the fiery furnace? Just like, God, I just pray you give me strength, Lord, to, to keep me away from this fire. You know, well, no matter how strong, you mean be strong as Arnold Schwarzenegger and that fire is still going to burn you up. You know, it's like, no, God, save us from the fire. I also think of, uh, you know, Peter, James, and John, you know, whenever they uh, were in the book of Acts, whenever they were at the temple outside the gate and uh, the beggar was there asking for money. And, you know, you know they didn't say silver, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, I give you strength and power in your soul. No, they said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Jesus, right, whenever he's, you know, Lazarus, uh, Lazarus has in the, been in the grave for four days, 
um, which that's a, a very much significance for another time. But, you know, Lazarus is in the grave for four days, and they all think, like, man, this, you know, he's, he's dead, he's gone, he's four days, he's, he's gone, right? Jesus did not go up to the tomb and be like, Lazarus, I'm just, God, I'm just praying, or Lazarus, I'm just praying for you. I pray that wherever you are in the afterlife, that you just, you know, that God would just, you know, just give you, just, just give you something. And you're, you know, no, that's how he prayed. Lazarus, come forth. And this morning, I'm saying these examples, and I'm being very, very, I don't know if you want to say how I'm being right now, but I'm saying these things to say this, that oftentimes we pray these kinds of prayers that are safe and that are easy for God to answer in our mind. Psychologically, it, we, can, we can check off, okay, yeah, God answered that prayer because, you know, that's, that's what's happening. No, what if we started praying bigger? What if we started praying bolder? Just, just what if? What if our prayers became bigger and bolder? And what if our prayers made us a little bit uncomfortable? What if what we prayed for, we had a little bit of doubt in our heart because we didn't know if God could actually do it because it's that big? What if we began to pray and we began to pray in such a way that it made us uncomfortable because it re requires a response from us? It requires some sort of action from us that is big and that is mighty. What if we began to pray in a way that is bold, you know? All these people I've named that, that went through these situations, all these people that went through these situations in the Bible where great and mighty things happen. The great and mighty things happen because they were banking on God for those things to happen. They were relying on God for those things to happen. And so many of our prayers that we pray are safe because we don't really want to rely on God. We want to rely on ourselves, And if we can pray these tiny prayers, then oftentimes it's within ourself that we think we can get it done. But by praying big prayers, prayers that reach, our, that are far reaching, prayers that are bold, it's taking it out of our hands and it's putting it into God's hands. I hope that this is resonating with somebody in here. We cannot afford to continue to pray small. We cannot afford to continue to pray tiny. Have you seen the world lately? Have you seen the world lately? The world needs Jesus, guys. The world needs Jesus. The world today is in shambles. There's, there's fires in the streets. There's people killing each other. There's a, a, a global pandemic. There's all sorts of things going on, right? The world needs Jesus, and I just want to be very blunt and very frank right now, and I'm honestly rambling, but I feel like God does want me to say this. That you are not helping the world in any way, shape, or form by praying small. You're not making the world a better place by praying small. You're not hurting the world, but you're not helping it either. What if we had a church that was dedicated to praying big, dedicated to praying bold prayers, large prayers, prayers that stretch us a little bit, prayers that make us be like, oh God, I don't know. I, I don't know. God, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this, but I, I'm coming to you anyways, and I'm praying these prayers. And many of you in this place are facing situations right now where you're having to pray those prayers, and kudos to you. Kudos to you. Everything I've just said in the past 15 minutes does not apply to you because you have been praying big prayers, and that's awesome. I, 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 and, and we're praying with you. We're praying that God would answer those prayers. But I do feel like so many of us in here, we shut the door on particular things. We shut the door on particular situations. And we close those situations off from God because we don't think God can do it. And we begin to pray small, and we begin to pray not at all.
I told you about those statistics about prayer I read earlier, and I was going to say this for right now. Only 55% of Christians say they pray on a daily basis. Only 55%, which seems like you're like, oh, we're doing good. That's more than half, right? But that means, you know, maybe there's 50 people in this room. That means that, you know, only like 26 of us are praying on a daily basis. What if we got that to 100%, right? What if at the River Church, what if we had 100% of people praying on a daily basis? And not just praying, not just praying on a daily basis, but praying bold prayers, praying big prayers, praying, God, God, I want you to do amazing things in our city. What would begin to happen? Let your imagination run wild for a minute. What would begin to happen in St. Joe? What would begin to happen in this church if we began to pray, not just daily, but to pray big prayers, to pray bold prayers, to pray for God to do great and mighty things? What would happen? Let your imagination run wild for a minute. How would our community be impacted? How would single mothers be impacted? How would the homeless be impacted? You know? How would the lost be impacted? How would souls be impacted? How would hearts and marriages and relationships be impacted if we stopped praying small and started to pray big and say, God, what do you want? Right? Because the Lord's Prayer says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. What does that mean? Well, I imagine it's a lot more grand and a lot bigger than the prayers we currently pray, right? The landscape of the kingdom of God is a lot bigger and a lot more grand than the prayers that oftentimes we pray. I'm including, my, I'm say, everything I'm saying is we, right? Because I'm included in this. A lot, oftentimes my prayer life is terrible. It's terrible. And so I'm challenging myself along with you all this morning to pray bigger prayers, to pray larger prayers, for us to go before God and, and, and pray big things. So I'm gonna ask if the band will come back up. I, I have a special song I've asked them to play this morning, and it's, it's a worship song that's pretty popular these days. Um, and I really felt, I really did feel like as I, was, as I was preparing for this sermon that was really all over the place and pretty bad, and so I'm sorry for that, but as I was preparing for this sermon, I really did feel like there were situations in your guy's life, in, in people listening, people on Facebook, people listening. There's situations in your life that we have closed the door on, but God has not closed the door on. There's things in your life that you have closed the door on, but God is not done with. There's things in your life that you have, have thought, God, God can't do anything about that situation, but God has plans for that situation. And so I'm going to ask you guys if you will stand, if everybody in here will stand. And we're going to sing this worship song together to close out our service. And I am going to, um, I'm going to encourage you, if you would, if everybody would just close their eyes for a minute. This is what we, this is what we have to do at, at camp because all these teenagers have ADD and they can't focus on anything. 